0: You know, I think last episode people liked the Croiler Sports Corner. No. I think they did. <laughs> I mean I liked it and I think other people liked it too. Yeah. How how much of a layman I am. <laughs> it's something that I think I'll just start doing different corners. Oh, um, okay. Croiler the like crochet next. Croiler's fashion <laughs> corner. That would be a good one. Yeah. So Croiler, when you're going out for the evening, what kind of pants do you prefer? Geek pants. Geet pants. Yeah. Uh, what type of shoe do you prefer when you're wearing your geek pants out? Shoe? Mm-hmm. I like minimalist shoes. Which like would My be?
1: favorite shoes ever were like these flat Toms that I bought years and years ago.
0: Oh. Well, I don't think I saw those. What happened to them? I wore them until they fucking shredded. <laughs> you know they still have those out there, right? No, they don't have that style anymore.
1: Huh. They discontinued the year that I got married because I bought, I wore uh, Toms in my wedding.
0: And they were not as comfortable because they were a different style. I did not appreciate that. You wore tuxes, right? Yep. With toms. Toms, yeah. Ah, I've seen the pictures from your, from your wedding. I just never noticed your shoes. Yeah, all the groomsmen were wearing toms. What color toms? Black. Yeah. That's nice that you were able to wear shoes that are comfortable. You didn't want to wear the really shiny like, Oh, I didn't loafers. care what I wore. Taylor wanted to do something nice. And
1: everything you buy a pair of toms, somebody, they donate a pair. Well, we'll do four
0: croiler's fashion corner next time maybe So <laughs> not much to say there no we'll stick we'll stick to croiler's sports corner <laughs> we'll just do a quick quiz a quick it's quiz. quick just okay. a couple questions all right just to kind of calibrate where you stand in sports okay. knowledge all right okay can you name we'll start off actually we'll start off with this how many points is a safety in football I really have no idea what that is. <laughs> okay, okay, so like, like, legitimately, I have no idea what a safety is. All right, so it's two points. A safety okay. is when, let's say, I have the possession of the ball and uh-huh. I back up, and you t- you tackle me in my own end zone. Okay. Do you know that that is? Uh, no. Like the touchdown area okay, where. The, okay. Yes. So that, that okay, off to a bang. So next question, <laughs> name two famous Chicago Bulls players of all time. Well, like Michael Jordan, and he was a Chicago Bull. Yes. But he was big enough to be known in Brazil.
1: Okay. And I was somebody else, I, I couldn't tell you. Like, I, 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 could, I, even, I
0: wouldn't even know where to start. Let me give you a hint. Lord of the Rings, Peregrine Took. That doesn't help me. <laughs> what was his nickname? Pippin. Scotty Pippin. Scotty D- Pippin. Does that sound familiar at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no idea. Oh, this is going so well. <laughs> I'm going to have to start studying for these goddamn quizzes. What about a field goal in football? Do you what? know Do you know what, what it is? I'm assuming that's when they kick it. Kick in football, between right? yeah. the uprights. Uh-huh. Is that what they're called, the prates? Yeah. Okay. So that's three points. Okay. Yeah. By the end, in, in I think by <laughs> in a few weeks, maybe yeah, a few months. A few years. A <laughs> few years. We may actually, you may be able to watch a football game and have an idea what's going on. Yeah. I don't know that I could though. And again, I do all of this not because I am a fanatic with any of these sports, but it's just fun to see your complete <laughs> lack of, of knowledge, knowledge of... <laughs> One of America's most popular sports. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll do this. Uh, what is? Uh What are the names of Thanos' daughters? Uh, Gamora and whatever the... Um, I forget her name now. Gamora was on it's the... It's a s- cosmic yeah. name. Yeah. Nebula. Nebula, yeah. All right, what's the difference between a European dragon oh and a, <laughs> an Asian dragon or I, a Chinese dragon? We could a whole podcast on that. What Name one difference. Just the number of toes. <laughs> 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 that's what we're dealing with folks. that's that's the person that you listen to for at least an hour a week. but hey it's not just dragons like I can break down like
1: all sorts of obscure like that I, things. I concur that is we had,
0: there was a trivia night <laughs> for uh I had a work function and we had to get a trivia t- team together so I immediately was like Quirler has to be on the team and Quirler came had a, we had some other people on the team, but we won we won yeah. we won. We went by far, by a big margin, too. We did. We yeah. did so well, and Croyler came mm-hmm. through, and he has just weird knowledge of things that most people don't. What's the difference between a ligament and a tendon? We talked about this last time. Oh, we did? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's muscles to muscle. All muscles right, muscles we, bone, we talked bone about bone. it. No one yeah. gives a shit. We talked about it already. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's Croyler's that's... Corner. Someone, if they could just put music to that. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, wait, I'm this person <laughs> who has loud. to put music yeah, to that. That was out
1: loud, to yeah. you know, people heard you, you, you do that.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Just Jiu Jitsu. I am Andrew Desimoni. And I'm Croyler Gracie. Yes. Look at you. You yes. let me introduce myself. I let me do it. Yes. I've <laughs> uh, thrown away that white privilege and I'm just <laughs> I'm letting the other guy and take
1: the lead. We are already ahead of the grappling dads. Paul still introduces
0: Skip every time. Oh yeah. Well I mean we're ahead of him in a lot of different <laughs> ways. <laughs> Both uh, content wise, um, just as far as a show goes, like we said last time, we are they We're the cool cousin. They're the weird uncle. We are you'd think that we've been doing this for years. and it, when you listen to those guys, and it sounds like someone just threw mics at them and said, "Start talking right. Pretty much they can't help it. They're working with what they have. Yeah, and yeah. what they have is a really rusted out nineteen eighty seven Honda Civic. yeah, i'm I'm okay with all that. We've got a Ferrari over here. Pretty much. Croiler <laughs> is our red hot Ferrari. Oh, Jesus. Boom, the body on that. Woo, hoo, hoo. I mean, you guys saw the picture. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm <laughs> quitting.
1: We're, this is over.
0: <laughs> all right. Today's episode is on back control. One of my favorite positions in jujitsu. It's all right. If you're looking at, at the hierarchy of positions of control in jujitsu, where do you put controlling the back? Oh, it'd be number one. Number one? Mm -hmm. Like top three, where do you you go? You know, yeah, back back control, top mount, you know, and then like side mount. Okay. And what is just so absolutely dominating about back control?
1: Well, essentially, you know, back has all the same perks as mount. You know, you can impose your, you, you can put your weight on people. You can, you know, eliminate limbs. They can't really use their legs to do much to you. Um, their arms are kind of useless. The 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 great benefit the, the great difference I think that gives back control a bigger edge over top mount is that the opponent can't see what you're doing. And and while people can say well you can grapple blindfolded or with your eyes closed, you don't need to see to grapple. That is true. However, if I'm punching you, it's nice to be able to see those coming. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think people forget that like I said, at the end of the day, jiu is, is, is a self-defense, form of self-defense. And if I mount you and I'm punching you, you can at least see those punches coming. You can try to block or do something where if I take your back and your belly down on the ground and I start throwing punches, you won't even know where it's coming from.
0: I feel too like when I roll and if I have control of someone's back, I'm on my back and then they're just, uh, I have the hooks in, let's say I have a seatbelt. I think that's where I feel the safest rolling. Yeah, they can't
1: attack you. I mean, they can't do anything to
0: you. Yeah, there's so much control because even when I'm in like top mount, like a full mount, I think it's because you have the ground securing you in one spot and then you're glued to them. And so there's just not a whole lot... They can't move you to many positions, right? And and their arms are completely useless. I Mm -hmm. mean, I mean, they can pull your arms off and try to protect themselves, but
1: but you know, in mount, if you get a really strong guy, you know, they can shove and they can push and they can bump. All those things are eliminated when you take the back. Right. It's like it's an incredibly vulnerable spot.
0: Has the back always been a position that people have used in jujitsu? Because as we talked through different episodes, a lot of the positions we talked about. They haven't. They weren't necessarily um, mainstays of jiu-jitsu in the early days. They came later. They were developed later. Has controlling the back always been a oh, pivotal, abso- crucial part? I, absolutely.
1: I think I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I, I would assume Japanese jiu-jitsu is the same way. Back control was was the way to go. Um, yeah, no, It's it's been there since the dawn of time. I mean, you see footage of... Was it Hercules yeah. and... Oh, uh, you're the you're the man. you have the PhD in college. <laughs> you tell me.
0: No, no, I don't I don't I don't like to show off. Go, <laughs> go on, go on. No, um
1: no, I think they've been you know, the back is maybe not the most predominant controlling uh, position early on because you know, to control the back you gotta get to the back. And I think, you know, back then taking it back was very rudimentary. There's only a few ways of doing it, a few circumstances where they'd come up. It was still the most favorable position, but if you just look at sheer numbers, you know, between nineteen twenties and nineteen sixties, you while you will see a lot of back submissions and things like that, you may not see as many as you might today. Today there's different ways to take it back. There's a, a far greater number of um, ways to take the back, ways to get there. Um, so the, I think the submission
0: ratio increases as we have better ways of getting there. Back taking, is it something in a street sense that is, how do you use that in the street sense? It's obviously something where you control someone. What things, I've seen so many videos online of people going for back control. If I'm thinking about how I would react in a street fight Back control. Do you have to worry about someone if you have their back standing up and then jump like falling on their back? Well, Absolutely. Um, so you know if. <laughs> Can you tell that before I came here, I just I I saw like a bunch of, um, just Instagram videos of people getting in fights and oh, did you really? And so that's what was running <laughs> through my head.
1: <laughs> so um, if we backtrack for a quick second, um, you know, we talked about how if it's something people were chasing it for. I think you have to keep in mind that the probably the number one form of backtake, you know, in the first 30 to 40 years of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was going to the mount, punching somebody in their face until they roll over and then you choke them. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at before, before we go back to your question, when you look at just Jiu Jitsu competitions and Jiu Jitsu matches or matches in the school, if you can't punch somebody, your number one back take disappears, right? Back in the day, right? So that's why there's less less concentration of submissions from the back early on. But as people became more creative and they learned to control and manipulate and induce back takes, um, then then the ratio boomed because then you're in the best position and you can do your best attacks. Mm. Um, as far as like in a fight. You know the the question is if if you took somebody's back could they stand up and jump and slam slam you down? Absolutely, it's happened. It happened with uh, Marcelo Garcia in ADCC. I forget who he was fighting. Some big dude though, and uh, he he took the dude's back, and the guy stood up with him. It was a big big weight difference, and this guy just jumped back hard and slammed himself into the mat. And you know. This is kind of where I tell people where you have to be. Um, It's gonna hurt, right? I mean, it's gonna happen. There's a lot of weight coming down, there's a lot of force, but if you're in somebody's back and you got a hand around their neck and they drop that hard, delay the pain for about 10 (laughs) seconds and just hold that choke until they're dead, you know?
0: Right. (laughs) And then they won't do it again. (laughs) It seems like if someone's standing up from that position they have to expose themselves Absolutely. for a little bit of time, and so you have the opportunity to hopefully slide something in before it gets to the point where they're gonna. Yeah, fall but 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 even if it happens, right? I mean, it's one of those things you just gonna have to accept the risk. You know,
1: if if I mean, you think of any any submission really. Like think an armbar, right? When you swing for an armbar, if it's a street fight and you miss, the guy's on top. Does that mean you don't armbar? point right so yeah. if you take somebody's back and they're much bigger than you and they start standing up you could let go or you could just say you know what if i if he falls and it hurts a little bit it's okay but i got the upper hand still and i'm gonna chase it you know i think
0: one of the reasons also that i like back control is being small it gives advantages i think to being on the back you Absolutely. have i mean when i'm on the back i just think of myself as gluing just trying to glue myself to them where. There's no space. Like you said, they can't see what I'm doing. So it's easier to slide one of my petite little forearms underneath their neck or maneuver around it, close up small spaces so that it's tough for them to do anything. And it's always surprising to me still how much I can control someone who's so much larger. Well, you know, most, most Becca's I'm like a cape. I'm like a human cape. Like bright on rice. Yeah, I just I, I clasp around the neck and then I just drape over the back. It's is that why you wear capes? Is that why that's why you wear capes around? Uh, yes. It all makes sense you, now. You got it. Okay. That's, how, that's how I show up to every seminar is with a cape. But why does your cape have a big sequence dragon on the back? Hey, it's gotta be styling. Okay. Is it a European <laughs> dragon or a Chinese dragon? I'll let you look it up next time It's okay. part, part of your quiz. Okay, that's fair <laughs> enough. All right. But yeah, it's being being small back takes or uh back control. They go very well together. It doesn't really matter the size. No, and and you know, most back escapes
1: consist of nullifying attacks, meaning defending until you're safe and then finding a way to essentially scrape your opponent off of your back. Like most back escapes consist of like I said, not all, but most consist of you using the floor to tr- try to scrape your opponent off of you. And if you're a much bigger guy like me, right, um, there's a whole lot more to scrape off than somebody who's smaller. And then you may think that's counterintuitive, but being smaller is actually tougher because it's much harder for me to, you know, find it, create enough friction between the floor and you to scrape you off of me.
0: Looking at the technical part of it, what are things that you always are preaching and telling people to look for when they're on someone's back. And for everyone listening, when we say when we're talking about being on the back, when I'm talking about it, I'm thinking you're both sat down on your asses and the guy who's in control is has the other guy essentially right in between his legs. Legs are hooked around the control uh, legs and just kind of hooked in, and then maybe have like a seatbelt position with your hands. But that—that's—that's where when we're saying control the back, that's where I'm thinking. Is that where you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: So, you know, the 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 first thing I talk about before, like talking about seatbelts or hooks, is just eliminating space, right? Um, so from groin to chest, everything should be pressed up against your opponent's back. Um, space around the hips is a common plague in back controls in Jiu Jitsu if your hips are separated from your opponent, your opponent can then rotate and start sliding, you know, and that's when failures occur. Um, So removing space from groin to chest, everything nice and tight, um, putting the hooks on, right? So you have your your ankles in between their legs. What's what's so important about the hooks? So your your hooks are gonna serve primarily um, to, to do three functions, one being to control the hips control the opponent's hips right as long as your hips are in between your legs you are in control top mount guard back they all consist of the same form of control your legs control the opponent's hips Um, if you lose that generally speaking they're out right so Mm -hmm. if you're in the bottom of mount and you take one of your opponent's legs out from around your hips you're in half guard Right. So, I mean, everything kind of goes downhill from there. You're in guard. They start passing. They get around your legs. You're, you're losing.
0: What do you do if you're with someone who's so large that you have trouble, like, really getting deep hooks in? Right. And that's when you get into modified control, you know, um, which we, we can talk about in a little bit.
1: Um, the second function would be to control the opponent's legs and their ability to rotate. So, your legs should be able to kill their hip, mo- hip motion, but it doesn't mean you can always control which side your opponent is falling to or how he's maneuvering his legs. So your legs serve that function of shutting down their legs. And then the last the last um, function is to eliminate your opponent's arms, right? So you can control legs, hips, and arms with your legs. Um, and if you can do that, you'd be pretty much in total control.
0: That one's very, th- that element is one that I wasn't intuitive to me. I remember the first time that we were going over um, back, like a series of back control and attacks. You started incorporating the legs mm-hmm. to trap the arms. Right. It's something I don't look for, or I didn't look for, is when, when we talk about controlling the arms, how are you using your legs to do that? Because people listening might think, how would you control so, their... So generally speaking,
1: if you can um, isolate limbs, um, you know, if you're targeting the mm-hmm. right arm, Removing the left arm from the equation makes your attack far more successful. You know, um, if you're attacking the neck and the opponent has no arms, it makes life a whole lot easier too. So, um, when you use your legs to isolate a shoulder, a collarbone, a bicep, a wrist, um, or if you thread their arms through your legs so they're they're trapped, you know, through through their through your legs, you essentially eliminate. 50% of the opponent's defensive potential. And and then your, your odds of a, of a submission occurring increase by that same amount. Um, yeah, so like, so, controlling the arms and stuff usually involves and out and creating better angles and coming in over the shoulder and bicep. Um, but that, that creates a, a huge um, dilemma, right? And this is where like experience comes in and good instruction and kind of understanding how everything builds up is important. So you're saying we should
0: probably get someone else to talk to? Pretty much,
1: yeah. If I said, hey, back to the the, your legs, your hooks serve three functions, right? To control the legs, control the hips and to control the arms. The legs and hips, you could kind of picture in your head as yeah, those kind of go hand in hand, it's easy to do. But the moment that I say your legs are also gonna control the arms, Then you have to ask yourself the question of if you're giving up a leg to control the arm, how are you keeping your opponent in place? Right? Mm -hmm. And and, and, because then we lose the hip control that we had before. And there's a number of ways of doing that. Um, You know, it just depends on how you want to go about it. If you see guys like BJ Penn back in the UFC, who was notorious for trapping people's arms, he would actually control the arm with his arm put the opponent's arm down by the opponent's body and then just go back with his leg over the hip and their arm would be caught in there. Um, If you look at guys um, like um, Felipe Pena and and Gordon Ryan, who who are both big back takers, they modified the back control where they accept the hip being far away as long as it means that their legs can deliver extra pressure to the opponent's hips. So, they're accepting the, loss, the, the increase in space between themselves and the opponent as long as they can generate enough power to keep the opponent's hips stuck to the mat. Okay. And that
0: frees up their legs to move. Okay. So, that's the purpose. That's why legs are, that's the purpose of putting the hooks in. That's why yeah. they're crucial. You talked about reducing the space between your hips and their hips. Right. What is that doing? So again, the more space between generally speaking, again, unless you have a modified
1: back control, kinda of like Gordon Ryan, Flippi Pena that we just talked about, the modified the the back control. If you're just talking about a, a standard traditional back control, the more space between your hip and theirs, generally speaking, it implies more room for the opponent to move, to rotate, to turn. I mean you see it in the UFC all the time where people will take, you know, an opponent's back and then the guy just rotates. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, that should never happen. Well, the guy's just fast, and he's slippery, and he's sweaty. Sure, all, that, all those things are true, but generally speaking, the guy that had the back control just fucked up because it, it's, it's, it's the laws of, you know, science here. Like, you, you can't move into an object that's... You can't move into space that's already occupied by another object.
0: So, if, the, if there is space between their hips and your hips, then there's space that's not occupied. Right. And is the reason for that? Usually you don't have good hit, uh, hooks laziness. in Okay.
1: Just an laziness, Just laziness. Or an oversight. Then I think about it. So like we practice back, if, if I say, Hey, we're going to practice back attacks today. Mm. So like you said, everybody sits down their butt, right. I put my, I put my hooks in, I put a seatbelt. If you're really glued to your opponent, it's going to feel like you're falling back. And to hold yourself up, you use your abs, right? However, if your butt's a little bit further away from your opponent, now you lean forward, mm. right? And you may think, "Oh, but it's we're just practice. It's just practice." Yeah, but it's just practice over an extended period of time, right. and then it becomes habit,
0: right? So, it, it's just laziness. Okay, so that isn't a symptom of you having some other part of the equation off. It's just you're, you're being lazy, stop being lazy. pretty much. again, and,
1: and and separation of the hips is okay if you have a modified back control, right. So like Philippe Pan and Gordon Ryan, they they step on the hip, so they're they're not controlling the the groin per se anymore. They're controlling the hips. So they'll step on the hip and kind of crush the opponent's hips down. And then they, they basically are really far away, but the opponent can't move because there's too much weight. Or if you look at, let's say like um, like Eddie Bravo and Tenth Point guys, they will modify the back control and cling onto one leg, and essentially, when they cling onto one leg, the the one hip, opponent's one hip, is stuck to the mat. So they they accept the risk of the free hip moving around
0: because they know the limitations of that. Okay. Other, another area you said was important was removing the space between the chest and their back. Right, and, and so for the same reason, the more space, the more room they have to move. Um,
1: Generally speaking, this one is easier. It's harder to see people screwing that up. Although you do see it, but it's it's not as common because it, you wanna be closer to the choke, right? It makes you feel good to be closer to the opponent's neck, closer to the opponent's arms. So you generally speaking, people do that pretty well. Um, now, what becomes very important and people, most people don't think about is the primary attack from your back. Gi, no gi, MMA, self-defense, whatever. Scenario you find yourself in should always be to choke the opponent, because I think we talked about in class like the six-second rule, right? Yes. Um, once I get a collar grip, or once I get a, a my, my arm around your neck, you're working. Your whole fight gets shortened to six seconds. You have to defend your neck in six seconds, or you're you're out. So that's such a huge pressure to put on your opponent. You know you're in the most dominant position. You're controlling the entire body. And they have six seconds to figure all that out. It's a huge advantage. Um, Six seconds before they just are out? Before they're unconscious, yeah. Okay. Now, we talked about, like, if you have a proper collar grip, or if you have a proper, like, um, arm around their neck for, like, a a rear naked, um, you should be able to generate enough pressure to make your opponent, you know, work on the dress. Okay. Now, what people don't think about with that in mind is... Your, your choking arm, whether it's a gi or, or arm around their neck, whatever, needs to be on opposite sides. Uh, uh, your, your choking arm and your head need to be on opposite sides of the opponent's head. Right, and most people don't think about that, and that's when you see failures happening. Guys are, you know, the opponent's head starts to shift too much to one side or the other, and all of a sudden, the attacker's choking arm and their head are on the same
0: side, and at that moment, it all fails. And that's because as soon as you have both of, let's say, the hand, those are on opposite sides. I'm sorry, the same side. Right. You just lose control of over, part of that over, portion of the over body. Over the other side, yeah. yeah. So,
1: you know, we talked about scraping your opponent off your back, right? So if their majority of their body is to one side of your body, right, and they may have an arm around your neck or a collar grip or whatever the case may be, they're much easier to scrape off now than they would have been before or to slide out from, from from them.
0: Okay. Another element of the back take or the back control would be head placement. Yes. What are you doing with where are you putting your head when you're doing so it? Tr- are you putting your nose like right on the like <laughs> crown of their, their skull? No. No? No. I'm not sniffing anybody's head. No? No. I find that if you do that and then just one big, they immediately stop what they're doing. Really? And they start, yeah, they start to wonder what's happening, and it's just enough time for you to slip something in. <laughs> I'm gonna have to try that slip something in. What do you mean? A by choke, that? a choke. Let oh, me just okay. clarify. I'm very confused. Or oh, whatever. I mean, it, at that point, you, you just have a window.
1: It's yours to do it, whatever you want. So, what you're saying is, you take somebody's back,
0: put your nose right by the, the crown of their head. Mm-hmm. Big slow sniff. Big gulp of air and then you have just about a second to, to slip
1: whatever. In. It's
0: yours. The world is yours for that second. Okay. I, I will I will You know, you think you can teach us? <sighs> I'm learning in a this? lot. <laughs> We're here to also teach you. I, I appreciate it. I don't know why I'm saying we. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> everybody behind. I'm you. not like <laughs> Smeagol from Lord of the Rings. Uh, but yeah, so with your head, where are you where's your placement <laughs> when you're doing this? So again, in a traditional back control, I want my head
1: on opposite sides of my choking arm. If I'm, if we're looking at a modified, let's say like a like a Felipe Pena, Gordon Ryan, where they kind of stomp on the hips and they, their hips are further out. At that stage, it's okay to have your head um, separated from your opponent's body. You know, generally speaking, I like the head to be really close to your opponent's neck. But um, because of the hip separation, it's okay to be a little bit further out as long as your head and your arm are on opposite sides. Um, if you take a, a like an Eddie Bravo approach and you control control through the legs, generally speaking you want the head to be on the um, near the ribcage by the armpit of the opposite side of the leg that you're controlling. okay so if you're controlling the left leg your head should be closer to the armpit of the right side
0: okay in a self-defense, Context: Would you also want this close? Because I think you've mentioned before, it's far away, they mm-hmm. can headbutt you. Right, absolutely. So anytime you're you're looking
1: to seal the deal and and, and choke them or get the submission you want, um, your head should be close to their head uh, all the time. Because any space there will be in a headbutt, you know, or being bitten. You know, if they can move around, they'll they'll do whatever they need to to get out. Um, if if you the the thing with headbutts, so headbutts are actually Um, A very interesting form of attack. Um, Space, too much space makes a headbutt fail. You know, too little space makes a headbutt fail. It's the in-between round, the range, that you're going to get,
0: you know, punished for it. You didn't know how how many points of safety was. You didn't know uh, two Chicago Bulls players, but you know the mechanics of a headbutt and Absolutely. the proper distance of have ever, a have you, seen, have you
1: ever seen Mark Kerr and Fabio Grugel? No. Oh, you need to look that up tonight. It's like It was like in 1995, 1996. So Grigel, um entered this MMA fight, uh, this MMA tournament, because this is how they did it back in Brazil, right? It's a tournament. So you, you have several MMA matches back to back to back. And you're only the winner if you win all of them. And there's a couple guys that were undefeated, and then Fabio Rugel who was trying to make a name for himself, and Fabio Rugel is, is an incredible, just jitsu fighter, like one, probably one of the best of all time. Um, and, you know, especially in his prime. Um, you know, Hixon said that Gurgel was probably going to win that that event. And there was a, an unknown guy in Brazil. His name is Mark Kerr. And nobody knew much about him in Brazil. Here in America, people knew him. He was a wrestler. Uh, they they used to call him uh, the Smash Machine or the Titan. I think his official nickname was the Titan.
0: I looked a picture up of the guy, and he looks like the Hulk's big brother. Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty <laughs> He's much. He's enormous. Yeah, yeah, he was in all sorts of steroids. I mean, like, no. his steroids were on steroids. But <laughs> anyways, um, no, so they, they both of them keep fighting, right? And And I think... Kerr actually was a substitute fighter so like nobody really knew anything about him. He was just this, this sub guy that came in. I think that's how it played out. Anyways, the Grigel has this like super tough first match wins. Kerr didn't fight the first time. I think either he got a bye or he was a sub in. And then Grigel has a second match again, super tough match, but he wins. Kerr goes out and just Kerr just about kills this guy that he got. I, I don't couldn't even tell you how badly he was beaten. And then they meet up at the finals. It was like a three round, three to win. And uh, Gurgel just looks like he's been through some wars. And you have Mark Kerr, who looks like he's been through some wars, but he's not. He's just sweating profusely. This dude is like dripping off of him. And they start, and Kerr was like a collegiate level wrestler. I mean, he was, I don't know if he was a Division One or Division, you know, like how many times All American. I mean, he's just an incredible, you know, wrestling pedigree. Takes Gurgel down, which. For the most part, Grujell didn't care, right? Because he's this incredible jiu-jitsu fighter. He was a world champion, I think, at the time. So for him, who cares if I go to the bottom? Who cares if this guy is gigantic? This guy was, Kerr was twice the size of Fabio Grujell, but he's like, you know, that's okay. Like, he accepted the takedown. And then Kerr got into his guard, and he literally pinned Grujell's hands on the floor like he would do a little kid. And Grujell was okay with that because he wasn't getting hit. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it, I see where this is going. And
1: where today you know in mean, MMA, guys will do that and they'll slip an elbow. Kerr just held it and just headbutted him, like for like oh. I think it was like the three three five minute rounds, like <sighs> just about broke his face and just nothing but headbutts. Like it's it's a it's a pretty pretty incredible fight.
0: I've never seen that, but that sounds horrendous. Yeah, look
1: it up. Like there were there were like uh, reports of like his orbital bone being broken at one point, like. Yeah, he like beat the fuck out of him with with nothing but headbutts. And again, it's nothing against Grigel. It was just, you know, he,
0: he was gave up about one hundred and fifty pounds to somebody who was a freak athlete on steroids. Well, and you don't see a lot of headbutts, and I, it seems like the reason is probably because it's to some extent like mutual. Like sure destruction you, 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 where you would think, but it's not. No? No. Oh no. If you if you know how to headbutt, it,
1: it stings a little, but it doesn't hurt nearly as bad as getting headbutted.
0: Prove it. All right, let's here. We're gonna stand up here. Um I'm gonna record it and we'll post this on Instagram.
1: So like the like true story, like uh, you know, there there is one of the one of the techniques we do as part of our blue to purple program self defense, is like a headbutt. Like and, I had this this guy who was trying to test for his purple belt and he was practicing. But he's one of these guys who's always been a spaz, you know? And I was like, Man, you just gotta slow down, it's gotta slow down and he's practicing this the headbutt movement. And of course he's stopping his head before he gets to me, right? And he just keeps getting closer and closer and closer. And then like the last time when he went to do it, I'm like, Shit, he's really close, right? And and my 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 alternatives were to like stay there. And get blasted right in the mouth with his head, or you know, protect myself. So I, you know, put my head in the right place, and he had put it the wrong place. And he was like, he fell to his back. He was just about knocked himself out. <laughs> had a huge, like he had immediately, immediately had a uh, like, like no exaggeration, like a an egg-sized hematoma on the middle of his forehead. It looked like I broke
0: his head. People watching, did they think that you? Just headbutted him. or you like? Were like, what much. are you doing? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it didn't. And did you
1: feel much? Did you have a no, bump? I had nothing. I went home and I didn't. I didn't even have like a red mark. Hmm. Yeah, he was like his face was bruised for like days because the hematoma bled down into his cheeks and stuff. So. Okay, so people don't forget headbutts. Yeah, headbutts are, are no joke. They they do a lot of damage, especially if you know how to. But it's when you don't know that that. You cause a mutual assured destruction, as you put it earlier.
0: Well and I could see headbutts being used they're kind of like a desperation for a lot of people where if you're right. if you're in a fight and they have nothing else, they're just gonna lunge their head forward. Right. Headbutts, uh, we'll do that on episode
1: seventeen.
0: You should you should look up though, like Marker and, and Fabio Grigel that fight. I will. Uh, I'll watch it and probably get nauseous, but that's okay. The, uh,
1: the other one, the the other thing to follow that up is to uh, look on YouTube, like uh, the the latest interview with Mark Kerr. He's like in his mid forties, early fifties now, and uh, the dude couldn't walk. Like when he was like in his late thirties, he was like because he he his the steroids he was taking did so much damage to his body that he couldn't even get out of bed without help. And like mm, if you look at him it. now, he's like this. He's he's got this like extreme extreme dead bod over like a car salesman like and and it's it's sad but mm-hmm. you see it with all those guys back in the nineties and and you know that were juicing left and right you see them they're all destroyed now
0: yeah because their know? body had to just hold so much muscle and Intention, go through such strenuous right, yeah right. work wow okay well so that was let's see if we rewind that back we got on that oh where to put your head That's right far. right exactly so anything else to add on that key element
1: um you know no, as far as head controls you know it, the if you're if you put the seat belt if we just think of a traditional back take we have a seat belt you have your hooks we'll we'll need to go into the seat belt next yeah yeah we'll break that down in a second but if you have the seat belt the hooks in your head on the opposite side of your choking arm generally speaking for your opponent to get out he's gonna to have to start undoing all those things you can't just break free there's no like in a mount, somebody strong just shoves you you may fall off you shouldn't but that could happen right in the back if you have those things aligned nobody just breaks free from the back and is suddenly free
0: so we've referenced throughout this whole episode seat belt mm-hmm. a lot of people know what it is some people may call it something different yeah uh, what are other names for the seatbelt? You know, I don't
1: I don't know because I actually like, you know, for me that was always like a standard arm position for the back. And it wasn't until about ten years ago that um I started hearing it called a seatbelt. And again, it's an American thing like we've talked about.
0: Oh yeah. So I'm gonna start <laughs> calling it the high and tight rope dope. Don't. The, that plus the sniff the rope stipping something in just sounds just sounds horrible. The high and tight rope yeah, that sounds like good, clean fun. It sounds like something a cowboy so, would do. So basically, you're going to go, <laughs> slip something in, and then call it a what? You ready for the high and tight ropeadope? Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Well, if, if, when you put it that way, in that sequence of events, it's creepy. But outside of that, it sounds like just innocent move. <laughs> All right, you don't like that? We could call it the uh, the loosey-goosey Lucy go- Lucy boa constrictor. Again, like, like that too sounds horrible. All right, now I think, I, now I think the problems with you. Now I think that anything I say, I could say like, oh, like the the kind mother, and you'd be like, oh, that sounds dirty. Okay, that, that why does that sound? Is I said that, and now it yeah, sounds weird. Right. Uh, your perversion is infectious, brother. No, I think there's something to do with that. I think it's got a problem with that. Yeah, there's something creepy about just sniffing, inhaling someone's essence. Right episode 18 <laughs> inhaling episode. In someone's essence <laughs>
1: um, Now, so, so the seatbelt right when you have your arms around your opponent um, so there's modified ways of doing it but generally speaking you have one arm and underneath the opponent's armpit and the other one over the opponent's um, clavicle their collarbone and uh, when they link together, then you have a, a C belt, right? Now, there's a number of different grips you can do. Um, you can go full old school Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, where you one hand grabs the wrist and you have a free hand. Others will do like a gable grip or a nest grip or a monkey grip, whatever you want to call it, a C grip. Um, you can do like Hanzo. Hanzo does a modified gable where he actually cups his forearms. Um, you know, there's a there's a variety of of different grips you can do to to connect your arms and form the seatbelt. The seatbelt is incredibly important because again, we control the opponent's lower body with our legs, but the upper body's job is essentially controlled, to control the opponent with your arms and your head. And if you don't have a good seatbelt, you don't have a good back control.
0: Okay, so that is keeping the upper body secured and there's some different versions of it. They also, the seatbelt, can easily transition to many different attacks. Yeah, yeah. So you have, like you said, one hand's under the armpit, the other hand, which is over the clavicle, is right underneath mm-hmm. the neck. So that's a quick transition to either a rear naked choke or you can slide to the side. And if you're ski, you could go to like a bow and arrow. Bow and arrow, or you can go technical choke from the back. Okay. Um, there, there's a variety there.
1: Um, the 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 important thing with, with the seat belt is understanding that it serves two functions, essentially, right? The primary being to attack, because your arms are really, really close, and the second um, to control the back so that they're staying there.
0: So you wouldn't say the primary is control and then attack? Again, control to me, controlling the back is not
1: primarily a a function of any single body part. It's It's a result of all the body parts working the right way. So your legs should be controlling the opponent's hips. Your head should be in the right place. Your arms in the C-belt, in their attacking position, should be controlling the opponent. You know, if you, if you break them all apart and you look at individual parts, sure, the, the arms primarily would be controlling the back, but to what extent, right? You're just gonna hug somebody, you know what I mean? Like mm. the, the the you know the goal of the arms is to to submit the opponent. There's far more submissions involving your arms in the back than there are with, with your legs. Now. Um, there is a a secondary function when I say attacking the back right uh, a subcategory where
0: it's tickling <laughs> Wait. That's, so, a, so, that's a that's sub- a so, subcategory so, so
1: is the tickling happening before or after the sniff oh it happens after after okay, okay now is that before or after because I, I know that the sniffing comes first then mm-hmm. you slip something so
0: yeah, you okay tickling? you said oh okay I did say slip something yeah you did right, okay <laughs> What, you can, yeah, you could do slip whatever you want, uh, but sorry, go on. But the tickling happens before, after you slip something. The tickling happens afterwards because it's, oh. it's a plan B. Gotcha. If, if the inhale doesn't cause enough of a window to slip something in, then you tickle. Okay. And then there's a plan C if they're not ticklish, but I don't want to get into my system I'm gonna too much. To, I'm going to have to try that next time I roll with somebody. Yeah. I'm going to have a video series come out on this soon. Um, it's, gonna it. be, it's only I, on VHS, though. That's fine. Okay. I'll, cool. I'll go out and dig up a VHS from somebody's
1: basement somewhere. All right. Awesome. <laughs> so um,
0: the, the, that subcategory of, of the attacking portion, right, of your arms is By the way, you're really good at getting back on track. We we, we go off track and then I'll forget. I'll, I'll <laughs> sidetrack myself and I won't remember how to get back. And then you always can go right back to what the point was. I'm, well done. I'm I'm, I'm I'm a very
1: hyper-focused being. It's hard for me to forget things.
0: It's good. We're, we're like, this podcast is us walking through a forest. And I'm always like holding your hand like, come, come this way. Look at this. And I'm like showing you something else. And I don't. If it was up for me, up to me, we would never find our way back to the main path. We'd keep going from like squirrel to tree to to deer. You're always going. That's nice, Andrew. Let's get back to the path here. (laughs) Just like that, is that how I sound? Just like that. Yes. Very, uh, very maternal. You're very maternal. Maternal. Okay. Very maternal. Now allow me to get us back on track. We're Uh talking about the subcategory. Thank you. Look at you, growing up so quickly. I'm learning from mommy. (laughs) oh goddamn! um no so
1: the the subcategory when i say attacking you and everybody but but you you kind of felt that today too was you immediately thought submissions right and and that's not necessarily true attacking can also mean advancing the position right so how could you advance the back the back is the best position so how could you advance that position by removing the opponent's ability to defend themselves. So, you know, I could have a great seatbelt, right? But if I want to attack, I will always have to deal with your two arms, unless I use my legs, right? But if I use my legs, then I lose hip control. So what do I do? And the key is understanding that if I can use my arms to um, control the opponent's arms, at least temporarily, I've eliminated their ability to defend themselves. Now here comes the dilemma, of well, if your arms are controlling their arms, how can you how can you choke them, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's we both have the same number of arms, so how how's that going to happen? Well, you that's when you create the level of control with your arms, and you you now can temporarily control them and use your legs, and transfer the control of the arms from your arms to your legs freeing your arm in the process, but keeping theirs trapped. And generally speaking, that's where the most successful submissions from the back happen, is when you've achieved a high level of control where the opponent cannot escape. And then you proceeded to eliminate the opponent's limbs, meaning their ability to defend themselves. And then you transfer that control to your legs so that you can start attacking the arms and essentially leading you to an advantageous um, uh, limb dominance where you have two arms to their one arm or, you know, Two arms to their no arms, in a perfect world.
0: Okay. Before I double back on one of our other uh, previous elements, mm-hmm. any th- any other new any other things that people should focus on when pick in the back or did we kind of touch on on the most i think, I, think I mean i mean you
1: know, on the on surface level i think we touched on it every, on, on everything i think you on know, every level not just the surface level maybe maybe with your back system <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> no i think i think we've clearly clearly <laughs> i've demonstrated <laughs> that we have not even scratched the surface of my of my system fair enough okay i'm sorry I'm so, to disrespect your system <laughs> that's my fault I, shame on me it just makes me mad that, that I don't get the respect I deserve for that system. You know it's good. I've it tapped good. you multiple times with it. <laughs> and you laugh hard like this, like it never happened. <sighs> I'll record it one of these days and, Please, and, I'll, and I'll publish it. You know, the, the
1: day that happens, I will be so, I I will advocate your system. Thank you.
0: You will? I will. Oh my God. Cause I, I honestly, now that I think, it, if if we were rolling and I was on your back because you're nice and you let me uh-huh. take it, if I inhaled, if I went and then I slipped something in and then <laughs> and then I tickled you, I may may actually have a window where I could I could get a submission. Again, I will advocate that system. <laughs> oh, you, you're
1: underestimating you're... the level of hate I have in my system.
0: <laughs> oh, and and you would be a part of those videos and. The just pure anger and just uh, bitterness on your face as I was demonstrating. (laughs) You are the dummy as I'm going through these things. Yep. I I would sit there. I would be the dummy for your videos. That would be... All right. I have a goal. You guys have all heard it. I have a goal. I
1: actually made that that one myself. So, like, it's not Andrew saying that I promised something.
0: Okay. So, the 30-day challenge, which you've kind of gone back on and <laughs> I I don't want to say that you're not a man of integrity cuz usually you are but in this in that instance oh you you weren't and we can all acknowledge that here though <laughs> you're standing behind it and so that's good to know yeah yeah all right um me wow I'm getting us back on the trail look at you we mentioned earlier what if you are with a guy who his is too large and you have right. trouble getting deep hooks right so you know Size
1: discrepancy has always been an issue in jiu-jitsu, right? And, and and while it should not matter as long as there's a technical discrepancy, size is an influence, right? Um, if you if you take a hundred pound black belt and you put him with a three hundred pound brown belt, the hundred pound black belt may come out ahead, but he's going to struggle far more than you know if it was a hundred pound brown belt, right? Um, because again, we, we talked about a little bit in last episode about how uh, physical physical um, traits, strength, and power and all that are, are buffers. and they kind of buffer a lot of a lot of poor technique. Um, we talked about this like in sketch A sketch can and things like that. So when we're dealing with an opponent that is far more physically imposing than we are, our technique has to be at a, uh, the sharpest possible levels, so as to nullify their physical buffer. Now, like you were saying, like if you were to grapple somebody far bigger than you, and you're like, man, I can't put my hooks around them. There's just there's too much of them. Then we need to consider, you know, alternative forms of control. That's where like um, like Eddie Bravo's method, where he focuses on just one leg. He just controls one hip. He doesn't care about whatever what else happens. Might be possible. You look at, you know, um, like I said, Felipe Pena's method, where he's really far up on the person's back. That might be an opportunity to do that. So, like his hips are really far out, so he's never underneath the much bigger opponent. Um, You can look at guys like um, like or Gary Tonin, who like the crucifix a lot, which the crucifix is essentially modified back control, right, where your legs control one arm and your arms control the other essentially eliminating you know 60 to 70 percent of the opponent so uh, in somebody much bigger than you those, those would be the route that I would that I would recommend okay at least uh, unless un, at least until your technique is high enough that your knowledge discrepancy you know your knowledge
0: uh, ability is so much higher than the opponents that that discrepancy
1: nullifies their size
0: is the Eddie Bravo? Um, modification of pinning down the hip. Are you pinning down the hip that is the opposite hip of like your choking arm? Let's say.
1: Um, no. So you would you would still be con- so your that would still be your choking arm because remember if you control the left leg. Uh, the opponent's left leg you should be on the right armpit so your choking arm would still have to be on the opposite side okay now mind you i'm not saying that he created that and then, and i'm not trying to take anything away from from eddie bravo i'm just referencing him because um because of his influence with the twister um the truck you know the tenth planet guys do a lot of that stuff they tend to be in that position quite more often as an entry to the truck or an entry to the twister they tend to be there more often than most other schools. So okay. it's, it's just a way to reference. All right. The, so like Danner didn't
0: create leg like locks. It's just he and his guys. Correct. It's just a, it a it's an and... easy,
1: easy form of reference. Okay.
0: You're so diplomatic. No. You ever thought about running for, for office? No. no. No? Not even like small office? You don't even want to be like a comp or No. Oh, okay. what? Comp I don't know what that is. I'm not entirely sure what the position is, but it's always been one of my favorite words for like a, a position comp oh, controller. yeah maybe you should name your back control that sounds like an important job with not a lot of responsibility I don't like I said I don't know if that's the case or not but like, like your back take system your back attack control system right oh man that's
1: a challenge <laughs> that is no a- I'm just saying like the but what'd you call it just call it that
0: oh the comptroller yeah. oh okay that's what I'm saying I'm into that yeah yeah <laughs> all right everyone I call this the comptroller that that is
1: good I... He's I, literally writing that down on his phone right now.
0: <laughs> well, what I'm doing right now is I'm looking up exactly what comptroller is, because we should know. No, he's writing notes on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a controller used in the title of some financial officers. Comptroller and Auditor General are an example. Okay. So, uh, and if you were wondering, I'll just put... Controller. Do you hear that? Yeah. Okay. So that's how you pronounce it. In case anyone was oh, okay. curious. So, so that's that's. Look forward to January 2020. Uh, it's going to be election year, but more importantly, it will be election year, and you know, vote comptroller. My VHS tapes will be coming out, and it will show the comptroller system, and it will be co-starring Croyler Gracie. Wow! That's... I have a year. I have less than have a year eight to tap you. To
1: tap me with a controller system.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. I. It has to be the controller system. Right. And, and I'm only gonna have like one or two times to do this because after a while, the whole, it's all built off surprise. Right. And if I'm like a, i am like a tickle to it like that is not. It's gonna wear off.
1: <laughs> I so, wish you guys could have seen. <laughs> <laughs> That
0: little, uh, what Tickle, was tickle? That? No, you said, uh, tickle, tickle. <laughs> tickle. Tickle, yeah. Because it helps. I didn't, all right, I don't want to say this, but I'm giving way too much of it away. You audibly say tickle, tickle when you're doing Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> the higher your voice gets, the more effective it is. It'll be in the video, you guys. Jesus. Don't worry. Okay, well, I think that I've given up too much on my system, and then you've given uh, a, a lot of stuff to digest for controlling the back i don't know that anything else can be added for the time being and we're getting close to an hour and if we hit an hour the computer blows up or we'll end up like the grappling dads and it's just... yeah we end up like the ramblers right the it's rambling just, we, we men just... it should be called just the rambling dads yeah we should just call it yeah the grumbling dads the grumpy dads um the the fault the faulty fathers, the yeah. the the dipshit dads, the, <laughs> the dirty uncles. Is that what you called them last time? The dirty uncles, the 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 inappropriate uncles. The uh, yeah, the, those guys. Yeah. So if you're listening to this show and you don't listen to grappling dads, I'm sorry for the inside jokes. Check them out. It's a good. It's okay. I almost threw up saying that. It's, <laughs> it's a podcast out there about jujitsu. And they are some guys that you might want to, you might enjoy. If you enjoyed them, then don't listen to this podcast. Or, or do just so you know how, how much better this is. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. And we will see you next week. See you. One more thing before we go. On Thursday, which was the day after Croyler and I recorded this episode, Paul from the Grappling Dads podcast issued a challenge to me to see who is the better man on the mat. We have a team training event coming up May 11th where their gym and our gym get together, and we just train together. It's a lot of fun. But Paul thinks that we should roll, and the winner of that match will be able to claim that their podcast is better. I don't follow the reasoning, but hey, He's not a reasonable guy, so come. Well, you probably can't come see it, but we'll record it. We'll live stream it. The trash talking has begun, so hop on Facebook, check us out, listen to their podcast, and you'll get the whole whole scoop. Thanks, guys.